we're going to look into God's Word this morning. God, we, uh, like we said earlier, we believe in your Holy Spirit. We believe in supernatural realities. That we aren't here because we want to have uh, self-help techniques. We aren't here to increase our willpower. We aren't here simply to increase our levels of discipline. Although those are all good. We're here because we believe there's a supernatural ability and a supernatural source of wisdom and power that come from you alone. And we want to listen to you and we want to respond, God, to whatever your spirit asks us to do. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, uh, first thing on the screen, a uh, little puzzle here. All right. I think, I think most of you right now could just do that by with your eye. Kind of find the beginning and get to the center. All right. I think most of you could do that. So I just got there. Okay. And let's go to the next one. Sometimes, here's, there's two different entry points. Sometimes some of the issues we wrestle with in life require a little bit more smarts. Wisdom, whatever you want to call it. Now, don't get dizzy looking at that. Don't try to solve it now. You'll all get dizzy. But, you know, sometimes, you know, again, you can grit your teeth, put your mind to it. And my guess is if I put this in front of you on a piece of paper, most of you, if not all of you, would figure it out. And you could go into both entrances and figure out how to get to the center. All right? Sometimes things in life that we deal with are like that. A little more complicated, not as simple as the first one. But sometimes getting to the center becomes a little more complex. Now this next one. <laughs> there really are little maze lines there, by the way. And I don't know about you, but there are things in my life, and I know there are things in some of your life, that getting to the center feels like an impossible task. Getting to the core of your heart, getting to understand what is it that God wants, what kind of wisdom do I need from God. This may be some of your, some of all of our struggles and journey. Here's the question is, do you know how to get to the center of your own heart? Do you know how to understand what God's trying to get? Because when you're, when you're, a problem like this is put in front of you, some kind of what feels like a riddle or mystery, and it may be a relational issue, it may be a financial issue, it may be what am I going to do with my future, what do I do with this past issue? What do I do with this hidden issue in my own heart? And you're trying to figure out how do I solve this? And sometimes getting there is difficult. So what we're going to look at today is a situation where there was a mystery, something that needed to be understood, and how, did, how, what, how this person, in this case Daniel, went about looking to God for wisdom for some issue in his life, all right? What we started last week is a look at the Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel is one of the prophetic books in the Old Testament. It's referred to as one of the major prophets and major only because of its length. So Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, um, there's four or five of them. They're called the major prophets. There's a bunch of minor prophets. So like in this Bible, here's the beginning of the Old Testament. Daniel's right here, all right? So Daniel's, the, prophet, the major prophets are toward the end of the Old Testament. And again, major simply because it's long. So I don't know, I suppose they get more 
They get to be called major because they spend and tend to write more. So, all right, now here's, uh, we're going to go look at Daniel 2. And this is, uh, this is, I'll go back to the map for a second. Here, just, just to kind of set the frame, the yellow is modern day boundaries. The green is what was happening then. Jerusalem, which is still the same place today. Jerusalem was ransacked by the Babylonians. Uh, Babylon is now where modern day Iraq and that area of the world is. The Babylonians ransacked Jerusalem. And what their habit was, what the custom was in a lot of cultures in that time was they would take the best and the brightest from the conquered country and bring them to their land. So Daniel, who at this time we think may have been anywhere from 17 to low 20s, relatively a young man, was one of those people that was taken from his homeland, taken to Babylon, and then put into the training to be one of the advisors to the king. So they would take the best and the brightest, they would train them, the conquering country would train those people in their ways because they wanted the best and brightest minds to start thinking like their culture thinks so they could help them be leaders in that culture and while at the same time they decimate the homeland of any kind of wise, intelligent leaders. All right? So this is Daniel, if you remember last week. So here Daniel is, with, and he's ripped away from home. He's far, far away from home. He's stuck in a culture he doesn't, he doesn't belong in. He's stuck in a culture that doesn't share his values. All right? But he's in training to be one of the advisors of the king, one of the smart people in that kingdom. All right? So opening in chapter 2, here's what happens. I'm just going to read this, but let me give you the frame. King, the king of the time was Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king of Babylon. All right? So he is the conquering king. Daniel's in the service, learning how to be an advisor in that kingdom. King Nebuchadnezzar has a very disturbing dream. And let me just start. I'll read the chapter. And uh, just for the first part, just listen along. And then it will show the last part on the screen. So just listen. One night during the second year of his reign, King Nebuchadnezzar had such a disturbing dream that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers... And demanded what they tell him, that they tell him what he dreamed. Now, when he called in these people, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, it's not unlike a, a president or a king today calling in his best advisors, philosophers, maybe even psychologists. Help me understand this mystery. Help me understand. So that's really what he's doing. He's looking for wisdom. As they stood before the king, they, the king said, I've had a dream that deeply troubles me and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, Long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. I mean, they had studied. They were, you know, they had studied philosophy, the equivalent of psychology, even reading the stars. And they said, you just tell us, what it, you tell us the dream, and we'll look it up in our books, and we'll figure out what those symbols mean, and we'll tell you what the dream means. Because we're smart people. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what, why, what my dream was and what it means, you'll be torn limb from limb. And your house will be turned into heaps of rubble. This guy's obviously a disturbing dream. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. And they said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream. And we will tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I am serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. 
So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. So these guys, these astrologers, again, Daniel's in training to be one of these advisors. He's not part of the inner circle at this point, but these guys are getting a little bit tense. The astrologer replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great or powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dreams. And they do not live here among people. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. All right, so the king has resolved. He's so disturbed by this dream and what it means. He's like, you know what? I don't want to just interpret it. I want to know really what this dream means. So if you don't tell me what I dreamed and the interpretation, then you're a bunch of liars anyway, and I'm going to have you all killed. So they can't figure it out. So they, they decide to kill them. And men are sent to Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember those names if you grew up in a, in a church in the Bible stories. And he was sent to kill them because they were advisors in training and they were part of the whole lot. So not a real uh, positive situation for Daniel. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why does the king issue such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which is also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that was desperate praying? They knew if, if God doesn't tell them what the dream was, they knew they would die. So imagine with me for a second when Adrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as well as Daniel, prayed. Do you think it was simply, oh, dear God, would you please help us to know? I'm guessing they were like, God, you got to tell us. You have wisdom, God. Tell us what this dream means. I'm sure there was a little bit more than just uh, our typical kind of what I call our hallmark American Christianity of, you know, dear God, please bless us. And by the way, if you want to tell us the dream, that'd be nice because we don't want to die. All right. So there's probably some degree of intensity here. Then Daniel went home and told his friends to pray. They asked, they, they urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them by telling the secret. And that night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And we don't know exactly. It wasn't a dream. It was a vision. And Again, to make it seem a little more normal to real life, a vision may have just been something he kind of saw in his mind's eye, but he saw it clearly. Not unlike some of you have had. I was talking to me this week, and they said, well, I just had this picture of something. So it wasn't like he was in some kind of a drug-induced trance and saw things, but he may have been laying awake at night thinking, if I don't, God, if you don't tell me I'm dead in the morning. So I, I'm guessing Daniel probably didn't sleep a whole lot. But at one point, something clicked, and he saw the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Something that God did from outside of himself, supernatural wisdom. And then verse 24, Daniel went in to see Arioch. This is where we pick up on the screen here. Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel said to him, don't 
kill the wise men. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Ariok quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. Then the king said to Daniel, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he's shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I'll tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. And then we'll just finish this last part. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He reveals secrets, has shown you what is going to happen. And it's not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream. Read this part with me, this last line out loud. But because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. Because God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to understand what was in his heart. God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know what was the center of this incredible puzzle in his life. So here we have Daniel faced with a situation where a problem he couldn't solve and how he went about looking to God for wisdom. All right? Three things I want to just highlight to you today. First one's this. Face you and me, face the sleep-stealing, humanly impossible situations in your life. How many of you, don't raise your hand on this, but my guess is there are many of you that have some issue in your life, some habit that you can't break, that you want to break, causes you some degree of anxiety, sometimes you lay awake at night, and it seems impossible for you to break out of that cycle of blank. Some of you may have financial anxieties in your life, financial stresses, financial strains, financial realities that steal your sleep and that seem impossible to get out. It's almost like finding the center of that one really complex maze. I don't know how we're going to get out of this. Some of you may have some relational crisis, maybe your marriage, where you just feel like we just can't seem to get there. And we don't even, I don't even and, and you may be at the point where you think, and I'm ready to give up even trying to get there. Or maybe it's some future decision that just seems like nothing seems to make sense. And the more I stare at this problem, it comes like this complex maze, which I have no idea to get to the center of. What is it that has kept you awake or could keep you awake? What kind of anxieties? What kind of fears, what kind of sleep-stealing realities are in your life? And please don't tell me they're none because I know you're all human because I have them. And part of the issue, my experience is, part of the issue is just learning how to face it squarely and be honest about it. Face squarely issue in your marriage. Face squarely the issue in your heart. Face squarely the issue with your finances. Face squarely the issue about your future. And don't keep putting it back in the corner of your heart. What is it? I mean, Nebuchadnezzar said he was deeply disturbed. He was really confused. So perhaps the first step for some of us is just being able to be honest. And sometimes a good step of honesty is being able to tell it to someone else. Yeah, here's... here's So maybe you have trusted friends, somebody you trust spiritually... 
Maybe it's a mentor. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe you just need to tell somebody, hey, I, that, this part of this issue of my life feels like one of these weird, these in complex mazes, and I have no idea how to get to the place of health in the center. So that's the first thing. Face the sleep, stealing human and possibly situations in your life. Second thing is this, really, really, really simple, but something we, rare, we don't do as much as we should. Ask God for wisdom. James, in the, in the book of James in the New Testament, says, if any of you are lacking wisdom, ask God who gives generously without finding any fault with you. He doesn't, he doesn't resent us asking him. I think sometimes, me, me, I'm speaking for myself, I want to solve the problem. I want to figure it out. But sometimes it's just asking God, God, help. you've got to give me some insight into this situation that is not humanly possible insight. I'm not going to be able to get there with the mental, intellectual capacities I have. Because, see, wisdom has nothing to do with intellect. There are a lot of intelligent people in Bloomington who aren't wise. So it's not about intellect. It's not about whether you're a logical thinker or whether you could win in jeopardy. All right? It has nothing to do with wisdom. Wisdom in a biblical sense, and wisdom specifically in the sense you're asking God for, is you're asking God to give you insight into a situation that can only come from God. Not come from your own common sense. And again, think about the issue that's the puzzle of your life, whether it's relational, whether it's in your marriage, financial, deep secrets of your heart, habits of your heart that you aren't proud of, future puzzles, you're not trying to figure out what, what does God want me to do, and it just seems... Ask God for wisdom. And I don't mean that to sound tritely or simplistic, but I think we often don't even ask God because we're not sure, maybe convinced that God wants to tell us. I don't know. Or we think we can handle ourselves. But then the last challenge in this passage, that Dan, <laughs> that last line of the passage we read together, where Daniel says, no king, God wants me to tell you this because he wants you to understand what's in your heart. I've talked to a number of people, and I can attest this is true of myself. Sometimes there's issues in my life that I, I know that what I'm doing is not a life-giving, healthy kind of reality. But if somebody says, why do you do that? How many of you have said this? I don't know. I don't know why I do that. I wish I knew why. I wish I could stop doing that. And then you think, okay, I don't know. And then, not that this can't be helpful, then our first recourse is, maybe I need to go to counseling. Now, I'm not knocking counseling. I'm not knocking good advice or good wisdom or even therapy. I'm not knocking that. Those are useful things. But maybe what you're needing, maybe what I'm needing is simply, I need God's wisdom as to know what's really in my heart. Because I can't figure it out. The Bible even says, you know, who can know the heart? We don't, it's, it's too complicated. You don't even know our own hearts. I don't know why I do certain things that I know I don't want to do anymore. I don't always know why. Now, I could backwards go through it and kind of put it through all the... You know, psychological, philosophical grids of why I do certain things. But sometimes it's the reality is I don't know. 
I don't know how to get to that part of my heart. I don't know why I don't do this. I don't know why I don't trust this more. I don't know how to find the problem, the solution to this problem. But what we know from this passage is God wants you to know what's in your heart. God wants you to know down at the center of your heart what needs to happen. He wants you to know how to find life in that situation. He wants you to figure out he wants you to understand how to break that habit, how to move away from those issues in life that have kept you stuck for years. He wants you to move to a place of financial freedom and generosity. He wants you to know where he's leading you in the future. He wants you to know those things. God, God does not play hide-and-go-seek with us. It's not like we say, God, can you give me wisdom? And he's like, he doesn't say, uh, yeah, maybe. The Bible says he gives generously without finding fault. And Daniel, in a very desperate, desperate situation, understood that, and he asked God, God, you've got to tell us the secret here. You've got to tell us what's going on, because we don't know. And then, what the Bible tells us, and what the story of Daniel tells us, we've got to trust that that's what God wants to do. And you've got to trust that God will do that. And he doesn't do it like magically... Overnight, like, I mean, sometimes, sometimes I think, I wish God were like a candy machine, and if I put my, you know, three quarters in, I should get my pop out, right? But God's wisdom comes in God's timing, but you have to trust that God's going to open that up for you. Um, let me close your eyes. I know, and I'm guessing... Um, that when you think about some issue in your life, I'm, I'm guessing there are people here that would desperately love the kind of wisdom that God gave Daniel. Because Daniel asked. And it got Daniel out of a really difficult situation. Now, keep your eyes closed. Let me just add this too. Let me try to say this. If you're asking God for wisdom about how to stop doing something he's already told you to stop doing, you have to stop doing it before he'll give you wisdom. Do you understand that? Just keep your eyes closed. If you're asking God for wisdom about how to stop sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend, then God's already told you he said to flee. If you're asking God for wisdom about how to get out of your financial mess and you're not tithing and giving, then you've got to do that first. So please hear that that the wisdom of God is revealed quite a bit on those issues in Scripture. I'm talking about issues that go beyond those things. That as far as you know, you're obedient in those in issues in your life, and you still feel like there's a puzzle, there's a need for wisdom. And I'm going to ask right now if, that's, if there's some issue in your life you think, I, I desperately need God's wisdom and insight, whether it's into yourself, into a situation, into a decision you have to make. I'm just going to ask you to keep your eyes closed. I'm going to ask you if that's you, if you would just stand. If there's some issue, just say, I, I'm, I'm standing, showing that I'm asking God for wisdom. And there's nothing magical about standing. There's nothing special about it, except it's your body letting your heart know 
this is the posture I want to have. I'm stepping forward, God. I'm asking. I'm asking for wisdom. Now, again, with eyes closed, and this is not to be uh, goofy or anything else, but those who are standing, keep your eyes closed. I want you to lift your hands into the air. And God, on behalf of those who are standing, and even some who aren't standing who want to be, God, we understand that wisdom alone comes from you. And you are the revealer of secrets. You know the secrets of our hearts that we don't even know. So God, for these, my brothers, my sisters, who are standing and are extending themselves to you and saying to you, just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel said, God, we need wisdom. You've got to reveal something to me. And whatever you reveal, God, will do it. But help me understand. Give me wisdom into this situation because I want to see life in my relationships, in my marriage, in my finances, in my future, in my own personal dark habits. God, I want to see life. So God, for these people who are standing, I'm asking that you give wisdom. You said you would. God, you said that when we ask for wisdom, you give generously. And so again, God, we're going to hold you to the promise and we're going to ask you to do that. Would you reveal yourself to those who are standing? Would you reveal yourself to all of us? But to those who are standing who have a specific issue in mind, would you reveal your wisdom to them and let them know what their next step is? Let them know secrets of their own hearts that they need to understand so they can be the life-giving, full-of-joy kind of people that you designed them to be. And God, honor their desire to do that. Uh, Go ahead and sit down if you're standing there. Well, uh, we always finish at Exodus with communion, and um, we do that because as Stephanie, she put the passage up there from Corinthians. One of the things in the New Testament, it talks a lot about Jesus and Jesus being the wisdom of God, and we take communion every Sunday because we believe that the essence and the source of our wisdom is from God, but it's been shown to us in Jesus. And this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Next slide, just one more. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Part of the reason I think that God designed what happened to Daniel's situation with the dream is he wanted Daniel to know for sure that if he were going to boast about his success, which we'll see later in the book of Daniel, he becomes successful and powerful. It's because he could boast about what the Lord did for him, not because he was a smart person, not because he was a clever person, financially wise, or relationally uh, intelligent. It was because what the Lord did for him. And so when we come to the table, we come to take the bread and the juice as an indication of what Jesus said, take this and remember me. It's remembering that we want to be the kind of people who trust in Jesus for our wisdom and power. And we will boast only in what Jesus does for us, not in our own human ability, our IQ, our SAT scores, or our financial bank account sizes. That's not our reason for boasting. Here's how we do it at Exodus. We'll start singing another song, and you're, welcome, you're invited to come up to any one of the three aisles, and they'll have bread for you. Let me just ask you to we'll offer you the bread. Just tear off a piece, and then we'll offer you the cup and how.